0: Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any one 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution for recovery. We want to welcome as many disciplines at work in people's lives as there are people recovering, because we understand how having multiple forms of help can greatly increase an individual's chance at living a full life in whatever recovery is right for them. This hour is designed to share ideas and opinions in an open, unedited format about the many potential realities of recovery from the perspectives of those who live it. Regardless of where you are right now, where you're going, or where you've been, we want to welcome one and all to our very first podcast. We want to expose people who may never have stepped into a recovery meeting to the process of recovery by sharing as many of the amazing human triumph stories as we can to let it be known that we can can and do recover from the state of desperation and hopelessness i have been sober and recovering for 14 years truth be told i wasn't always recovering just because i was sober so the full 14 years has been a mixture of holding on to old ideas and fighting the new ones it has become much simpler living life sober when i put effort into recovering Personally, I wander into all kinds of anonymous meeting rooms, facilitate several types of groups, hear amazing stories from amazing humans, and every time I am in the company of recovering people, I learn again and again how brave and resilient my fellows are. One of my hopes is that everyone who wishes can be exposed to what it is like for you and I to recover. To run the risk of being overly sappy, my deepest hope, Maybe the underlying hope for all of the work we do at Freedom's Path with people trying to recover is that those who don't know they may need help hear something from someone that allows them to recognize their need. Tonight's guest is my friend, and all-around rad dude, John James. Uh, please, tell us about yourself. Hey,
1: David, thanks. Um, I am John James. And I think the jury is still out as to whether or not I'm an all-around rad dude. Uh, it's funny, you know, when you said, do a little bio of yourself. And I was thinking about it. And I'm thinking, well, I don't really have a bio. Like, I'm nobody. Really. <laughs> you know, That's like, not true. <laughs> I'm nobody. And, but, uh, you know what, I guess it's, you're right, it's not true. I am somebody. And... Uh, I've been in recovery for three years, I have a wife, I have two kids, I have a job, Um, I have numerous hobbies and yeah, I'm just happy to be in recovery, really happy to be sober and I'm very excited to be here for the first podcast.
0: Cool man, I was so glad you agreed to the first one because frankly I couldn't think of anyone else to do it except for maybe Heather right yeah but that's because with heather i might get some fringe benefits from that so you might get um, some for me too oh nice (laughs) well now now i'm more excited about this podcast than ever please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of freedom's path recovery society john i'm so glad you're here and we are hoping to honor all people in the process of recovery whether wherever they might be within it In order to provide our guests and listeners with a sincere and genuine experience, all persons involved in the podcast have a right to their opinions, and we ask you all to understand that, in fact, we are all really just sharing exactly those. We define recovery as any process of adjusting to changes in life after a life event or events which have caused potential residual trauma of any kind in the individual's life. This can include, but is not exclusive, to alcoholism, chemical dependency, process addiction, mental illness, codependency, medical challenges, grief, etc. The individuals on this program may use strong language. Same with the speaker. You will hear about adult themes and situations, as well as stories of death and dying, and any other type of human tragedy that follows along the course of active addiction or active trauma. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian or have the explicit permission of those entities. Okay, enough of that bullshit. Here's Johnny. All right, man. So tell us about yourself. Um, Do I need a guardian? Yeah, you might, actually. I need an adult. You just never know. You need an adult, yeah. (laughs) So, John, uh, well, you know what? I'll let you tell it. What do you do for a living? I have been with the Calgary
1: Police for 23 years. I'm a sergeant. Uh, most recently a sergeant in the traffic section. Um, so that's what I do for work. That's mm-hmm. my employment. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's funny that, that you start off with that because I think that what you do for a living can have such an influence on how you deal with situations that come up in your life and the coping strategies that you use. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I just through the course of my recovery, I've talked to a lot of people who are way more knowledgeable than I am in this. And the, the people who are in, I guess what they call helping professions, mm. right? first responders, uh, doctors, nurses, um, a lot of those professions ha- come with high degrees of addiction. Mm-hmm. Whether it's alcohol or drugs or sex or codependency, um, process addictions, gambling, who knows, mm-hmm. right? But I think that for some reason we're drawn to those professions. Um, and it's most, I mean, in my case, I can only speak for myself. I guess I got to clarify that now that if I say we, mm-hmm. uh, really I mean I. Right. We well, so speak of the royal. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not into the whole brevity, if you're thing. not into the whole brevity thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be a lot of Lebowski references in here. Yeah, so you if, got that right. And if, Simpsons is pretty much how that's we that's right. So if you're not familiar <laughs> with the big Lebowski, you may not get half of this podcast. Yeah. So you might want to go out and, and get, watch a it. <laughs> get a dictionary. Get a dictionary. Yeah, the royal we. <laughs> no, so when I say we, I mean I, and. Um, what was I saying now? I can't even remember.
0: Yeah, you were talking about uh, the job.
1: Oh, yeah, right, the job. Um, the uh, I think there's a lot of... <laughs> you, you can't see it, but there's microphone adjustments going on right now, and it's <laughs> and, it's making me laugh.
0: And Dave's threatening to lick it, that's why.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it i you know i guess it's you have to start off at the beginning and not be afraid to tell your story and so as it goes my story is i'm sure it's not dissimilar to a lot of people's stories um came from a very uh dysfunctional household um very abusive and violent father and uh, you know it wasn't uncommon to see the kitchen table flipped and plates thrown around and just getting smacked and hit for no reason whatsoever Um, so you become you learn to live by that motto of don't talk don't trust don't feel Mm -hmm. Um, and that becomes your lifestyle Right? Mm-hmm. Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel because yeah. you never know when it's coming. So you make yourself very small and you try and be as invisible as you can. And uh, that's, I think, what planted the seed for me, uh, that dysfunction, mm-hmm. that when I get older, I want to do something that is going to afford me that power, that control, and that that feeling of freedom that i didn't have right that when you're young and you're in a situation you don't have control over your environment right you're helpless and so for me that was what is going to give you more power and more control than being a cop Mm -hmm. right nobody's ever going to bully me again nobody's ever going to push me around again Mm -hmm. i'm going to be there to help those people that are in that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But as it turns out, getting into this kind of a profession where you deal with constant chaos and constant dysfunction, Mm -hmm. it just perpetuates on itself. You know, it's that that Rube Goldberg machine where the marble goes down and it comes back up again and it keeps going around. Mm -hmm. And it just never gets any better you know so that uh, that addiction to excitement um, i belong to another 12 step group the adult children of alcoholics mm-hmm. and i've learned a lot from that fellowship as to why i'm an addict mm-hmm. you know why did i have this and I, you know apart from the genetics and that predisposition to be in an alcoholic those life events um, planted that inside of me that I have that addiction to chaos. Mm-hmm. I need things to be upside down in my life or else I don't feel normal. That's the way I was raised. Everything was always chaotic, always always frightening, and that was my base level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to become a cop or you're going to become Mm -hmm. a soldier or, I don't know, a friggin' race car driver. Yeah. Something that's, you know, a professional base jumper something that's going to give you that addiction, that excitement, that adrenaline boost. And, uh, you know, it wasn't very long until I was realizing that, holy shit, like I'm dealing with some bad things here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to cope with this. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know if I can talk to anybody about this. Um, you know, when you uh, when you start, they teach you that there is no weakness. Mm-hmm. You are not vulnerable. You are not weak. You're the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. right? And you've got all the power and all the control, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they give us tools that we can end people's lives with. Mm-hmm. We can certainly end people's freedom and liberty. Mm-hmm. Like, how much power can one person have? Yeah, no doubt. Um, thing is, is they don't give you the tools. Well, I shouldn't say they don't. They didn't, in my time, give me the tools to appropriately deal with the dysfunction and the trauma that you experience day to day. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's not just... The physical violence, but you develop a, a real sense of a almost like a heightened awareness mm. and a distrust of everybody and everything.
0: Be hard not to, right?
1: Well, yeah, everybody's out to get you, yeah. right? Don't trust anybody. Mm. You know, we had uh, one of our instructors when I went through classes, and this is quite a while ago, whose theme was. When you're out in public, just be cordial to everybody, but be prepared to murder anybody in that room.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, what is it? What kind of an idea is that to plant in your mind? <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> <clears throat> right? Be yeah. nice to everybody, yeah. but be prepared to kill them. Yeah. Like, that's... that's so intense, you, dude. you get this? <laughs> Back <of> your mind, <laughs> where you're standing in the line at McDonald's and you're thinking, yeah. well, I'm going to have to stick a straw in this guy's throat and kill him <laughs> if he gets out of line. <laughs> Right. But again, you know, Heather and I were talking last night about, you know, that hypervigilance, mm-hmm. that constant state of alert and how exhausting it is. Oh, man. You know, to walk around with your fists up all the time yeah. and that us versus them mentality, mm-hmm. you know, that it's us versus everybody. We are our own culture and we can't let anybody into that. Mm-hmm. right it's our own secret little realm and uh it's it's really difficult because when you get into that that traumatic event or you deal with that situation that you're not emotionally prepared to to accept and understand what do you do
2: mm-hmm.
1: right back then it was well you go out with the fellows after work and you sit in the parking lot and you put them back
0: what do they call that when you guys do that?
1: Choir practice.
0: Yeah, choir practice. I, for the longest time, I heard it, and I was like, everybody sings, because I'm so naive. Eh? I'm like, I wonder what they're singing when they have choir <laughs> practice. <laughs> and I think the first time I heard someone call it choir practice, I literally, I remember to years ago, they used to actually have the police choir practice. Yeah. And, and so that's what I thought of. Yeah. So every time someone said it, I'm like, there's a lot of people that sing.
1: Yeah, yeah. We don't all don robes and stand on bleachers <laughs> and sing the Hallelujah Chorus. Yeah, no. totally, man. Most of the time, by the fin- by the time you were finished, you were singing to the toilet. Yeah. Because you had way too many to drink and you were most likely driving home afterwards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you were never taught how to appropriately deal with these things. And if you did get into a situation, it was a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. If you had to go to psych services, yeah, it was almost like... You had a stigma, yeah, right. You had that little insane stamp on your on the top of your hand. <laughs> you know, insane. Do not yeah. work with stamp. this guy's broken. Yeah, right. So you kept it to yourself. You kept it quiet. You didn't mm. say nothing because you didn't want anybody to know. Mm. So it's uh, yeah, and of course, the more you drink, the less you feel, and it became just a way of coping with. Anything, any stress, mm-hmm. you know, it was. It didn't matter what it was, if it was some sort of a stressor in my life, the only appropriate way to deal with it was with alcohol, mm. right? And um, so, yeah, it it it's been kind of an interesting journey from then to now, and to see how the influence of of I don't. Know, I guess the job, or you know, any sort of external influence on you can can trigger that need to numb the emotion, as mm. opposed to just allowing it to be there and feeling it, and having a healthy, productive conversation to get that stuff out. Yeah, you know, um, and that's that's kind of what I've realize now that the power of talking with somebody Mm -hmm. right and it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's in recovery yeah although when you talk to another alcoholic or you talk to somebody who's in recovery they get it right they speak that language they know Mm -hmm. they that insanity that goes on in your brain when you are completely incapable of not drinking
2: yeah
1: right and um but to sit down and talk with somebody and just to say listen i i feel upset i feel scared i feel shame i feel Mm -hmm. uh you know sadness over this situation Mm -hmm. It, it it that therapeutic value of just talking with somebody yeah is huge you know and that's the the beauty of recovery that i've found is that you don't have to know anybody in a meeting you don't have to understand them you don't even have to like them
2: mm-hmm.
1: but to go there and say this is my story and this is how i'm feeling today even if they don't listen it just feels good to get it out yeah. right to get it to expunge it from your body because mm-hmm. it's poison in there yeah. right to hold on to those emotions and that chaos inside of you it's it just eats you alive mm-hmm. you know sure does yeah it's it's but it's 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 a it's a much better way of life now uh than it was before you know them being in recovery and and living a sober life as a cop yeah um <clears throat> It, it, you know, the the difference is is almost night and day, right? I uh, Before I got sober, that that dysfunctional lifestyle, that us-versus-them mentality. And, you know, I'm not saying it's like that for everybody, because I'm sure there's guys that go mm-hmm. through an entire career and have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. And they'll probably say, oh, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> I like, don't I, I don't know what he's talking about yeah. or what he's done, but... But this is, again, this is my story, This is like my opinion, man. Totally, man. um, But yeah, it it opens your eyes to a level of compassionate response to people, Mm -hmm. right? You don't see people as, you know, that dirty crackhead or, you know, however you viewed people, due to your conditioning before or your own personal opinions of them, I I start to see people more as a human being Mm -hmm. and to treat them as such. You know, where before I was totally unwilling to go out of my way to help somebody, Mm -hmm. right? Because it just got to that point of not only hating myself, But as a result of hating myself, hating everybody else, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have anything to do with anybody, you know, unless it was, unless I, it was, I absolutely had to. Yeah. Right. And, uh, that, that could be anything, Mm -hmm. right? All I was concerned with was going to work, doing my job, having as little interaction with people as possible if I could. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting home and getting loaded mm-hmm. and then doing it all over again. Yeah. Right. And ugh, when I think back, it was just, Oh my God, what a nightmare, you know, just to, to think about that halfway through the shift and that obsession starts. Yeah. And that's all oh, you man. can think about. Yeah. That's all you can think about. Yeah. And, you know, at the time when my addiction was at its worst, I uh, I was living on my own. My wife and I were separated, and uh, she had the kids. So I was living in a one-bedroom apartment. And, uh, you know, this is, again, that kind of a typical cop story, right? You, you haven't had a career, so <laughs> you've at least had a couple of wives, slept in your car <laughs> in a district office parking lot, uh, crashed on a buddy's couch for a month, uh you know like that's unfortunately the yardstick the measuring stick for for your your level of good cop was copness, copness <laughs> if that's a word was you know how many divorces have you had uh you know how many houses have you gone through uh, you know just that kind of crap mm-hmm. and so anyway we uh my wife and I were separated and um so i would i would the reason we were separated was because i felt that i was being judged and watched right my mm-hmm. my consumption and i was trying to sneak it and hide it yeah. and then i said to hell with this you know what i'm leaving yeah i'm out and it was it was under the guise of oh you know you guys are better off without me and i'm just a drain on the family and you know that whole sense of low self-worth and you know i don't deserve any better mm-hmm. you know i i deserve to be alone i deserve to be poverty stricken and you know living in squalor because i'm a i'm a drunk and i'm a terrible husband and i'm a absent father and um you know, but in the back of my mind, it was it was also a manipulation of, mm. hey, you know what? Now I can live by myself, and I can drink whenever I want, yeah. and nobody's watching, and nobody's there to judge me, mm-hmm. right? So, I would that's exactly what I would do. You know, I would make it halfway through my shift, and I would start obsessing about, oh man, I cannot wait till this day is over, mm-hmm. because you get that craving, yeah. and all of a sudden. It's building up and it's Mm -hmm. building up and it's picking up speed. And by the time I was off shift, dude, don't stand in my my way as I'm coming out the door. (laughs) Because you were standing in the way of my booze. So beat it. And, uh, you know, if something were to happen like traffic or a red light or it was just infuriating. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I got to get home as fast as I can. Yeah. That bottle is waiting for me. Get out of my way. Can't you see the problems I'm having? Um, so I would get in the door. I wouldn't even get my shoes off. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even get my shoes off. And I would be hitting the bottle. And um, I would tell myself, okay, well, I'm just going to have one to start with. And then I'll have some dinner. And I'll get my chores done. And I'll make my lunch for the next day. And before you knew it, it was 10 o'clock at night. And my lunch bag wasn't even empty yet. Um, I was probably halfway through a 26er, and like thinking about going to bed, but I needed enough so I could pass out. Mm-hmm. Right? I needed to. I I couldn't fall asleep normally. I needed to actually be almost blacked out. Mm-hmm. Hit the bed. And in a couple hours, be up again and drinking a bit more. And that was just the cycle that I did. That was my day-to-day routine, right? And on the weekends, it was the best because I didn't have to be up for work. I could stay up all night long. I didn't have to get up early. Uh, I didn't have any responsibilities, you know, so I was living the life. Or so I thought. And, um, yeah, it... it became very unmanageable very quickly you know when they say that you know we are powerless over alcohol that our lives become unmanageable yeah that that reality set in really quick Mm -hmm. that it was unmanageable and uh, at the time I was going to see you know doctors and psychiatrists and because I was depressed, and I couldn't understand why. Mm-hmm. Why am I so depressed all the time? doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah. Well, here, take some pills. These will make you feel mm-hmm. better. Okay. You sure? All right, I'll take them. And right on the bottle, do not take with alcohol.
0: <laughs> Beer will put out that fire. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so what's, of course... The first thing that an addict does, directions of a medication, I'll just get rid of those. Who knows? I can wash down these antidepressants with vodka. Where's the harm in that? We're professionals, man. Of course. I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. Uh, yeah, so I was seeing a psychiatrist and, you know, I was i was fairly honest with him as much as I could be as a drunk and because um, he would ask, how much are you drinking? A lot.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, how much is a lot? Like a lot. And uh, he said, well, what have you tried to do? Well, I tried nothing, man, and I'm all out of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Best idea I ever had. Not a thing. (laughs) Exactly. I've tried nothing, man, and I'm all out of ideas. So anyway, he said, the only way you're going to get sober, dude, is through a 12-step program. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And uh, I said, okay, well, I'll have a look at that. And I wasn't ready. And I looked at the 12 steps and everywhere. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people say the same thing of
0: God, 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 God.
1: It's a big one. Nope. Not interested. No. You know, we're all full up here, peddling it somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, so that kept me drunk because I didn't want to be involved with God. Yeah. You know, I don't have any use for that. So, kept drinking and kept drinking and kept drinking, and uh, just got worse and worse and worse, to the point of where, yeah, my life was very unmanageable. Um, I was involved in a, in an intimate relationship with a, another female at the time, and I don't want to delve too much into that, um, just because it's... It's in the past, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not, and it's it's not really worth my time. Yeah, fair enough, man. Um, I don't want to give it that much time. Yeah. So, at any rate, um, I got sober. Uh, I went away to treatment, Um, but I tried to find any way that I could, without having to, you know, I'm drunk, man. I'm a -hmm. a manipulator. I'm a liar. I'm a coward you know if i can skirt the system Mm -hmm. but then again i'm also a cop so you put a roadblock in front of a cop they're gonna find some way around it Mm -hmm. or over it or under it or Or through through it it. you know there's a reason why our policy manual is like three binders thick (laughs) it's because of the stupid shit that cops before me have done (laughs) and the stupid shit that continues to happen Mm. right so all that dumb stuff that you think, Who the fuck would ever do that? Yeah. Some cop somewhere has done that. Yeah. Don't stick your dick in the light socket. <laughs> well, it's not in the policy manual, so I guess I can do I, it. I'm gonna go ahead and try that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Until some guy does it, yeah. and the next day it's in the policy.
0: Yeah. Please. Do Officers
1: not. will not use their channels as plugs. <laughs> But that's the thing, right?
0: That sounds like a sad place to work, man, if you can't use your genitals with plugs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that gets back to the how many wives have you had, right? Oh,
0: that's true. So,
1: yeah, it's, <laughs> but there's always a way around it. There's a way that, as they say in the in the big book, the easier, softer way, mm-hmm. right? And I tried every easy, soft way to do it, you know, and at the recommendation well, actually, it's quite funny because, and I know that you know the story, mm-hmm. that uh, I did come forward um, because I felt obligated as a, as a requirement of my job
2: yeah.
1: when I realized that I was an alcoholic and there was no way that I can stop drinking. And I went in and I saw our psych services and said, listen, I'm a drunk. Mm-hmm. I can't stop drinking. What do I do? And the response was... Dude, you keep that shit to yourself. You don't <laughs> tell nobody about that.
0: Yeah, that's that's wild, man. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine.
1: Because if you tell somebody, well, your career is in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not going to go any farther. You won't get any promotions, all that stuff, right? Because you're labeled. Mm-hmm. So I thought, hmm. Well, okay. Well, I'm just going to keep that shit to myself. Yeah. And uh, kept drinking. Right. So. But it did get to the point, after all the easier, softer ways, I tried, I tried, I tried. Uh, nothing worked. And finally, I just kind of realized that I can't do this. I, wow. I can't do this anymore. Right? And one of my low points was um, when my wife said, you can't have the kids you can't take them to your shitty one bedroom apartment Mm -hmm. and you can't take them to your girlfriend's house, you know, because, Mm -hmm. and at the time I didn't understand, but now I totally get it that it's so dysfunctional. Right. And, but she said, I don't trust, I don't trust you. You know, uh, I don't think that you would intentionally hurt the kids, Yeah. but there could come a time when something happens and you're too drunk to deal with it. Yeah. So that's it. No more. You can't see your
0: kids. Yeah. So I got to ask you, man, cause I know you love your boys. Right? I do. Like, so like how, how did that feel, man?
1: Uh, you know what? That's a good question. There's so many different emotions, you know, when, when your wife says you no longer have access to your children.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Like you can't see them. They can't stay with you. That's it. You're done. Yeah. Right. And you get that. Well, back then it was, well, what am I going to do? Fuck it. I'm just going to get drunk. Right. So you're throwing gasoline on the fire. Yeah thinking that you're putting it out. Yeah. You know? And that was one of my my points in my life where I just thought, oh, this is so dysfunctional and so insane. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? You're, you can't even see your own children because you're a drunk. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing? You're drinking. Yeah. Right? So that's when... Most normal people Mm -hmm. who don't have the disease of addiction would say, holy shit, i got to get my head out of my ass. i got to do something different here. Mm -hmm. But as an addict, seems like the most appropriate thing. Let's get drunk. It's a solution, man. Yeah. 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 Alcohol. Yeah. The cause of and solution to all the life's problems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, for people like us, it definitely is, right? Oh, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and... So I, I did make that, I, and how do you disagree, right? At, at least I have the, the, the sense that I can't disagree with it. I have mm-hmm. to agree with her because she's exactly right, right? I'm such a fall-down, blackout drunk
2: mm-hmm.
1: that how could I live with myself if something happened? Mm-hmm. So I had to agree. Yeah, you're right. Right, but that just erodes your self worth even more. Oh man! Right, that just erodes at that that core of, you know, am I a functioning member of my family? Am I a functioning member of society? Am I am I a functioning human being? Well, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're not, and you know. There did come a time when I said, okay, you know what? I won't drink with with the boys here, and uh, I. I promise that if I have them, I'll be sober. And Mm -hmm. you know what? I couldn't even do that. I couldn't even do that. Uh, But that's the power of this disease is that, you know, and I've heard it said before, it's the only disease that a parent will choose over their own children.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Right? Addiction. And I remember saying to myself, I will not have a drink in front of the boys. But it had me by the throat. Mm-hmm. And I said that as I was pouring a drink. Yeah. You know? So it it uh, it happened rather quickly when I said, you know what? That's it. I, I cannot do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I cannot do this. And fortunately, we have the officer addiction program now. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I... I guess I I won't mention any names just for whatever reason yeah, but for sure. um we have a a group of officers who are in sobriety and have been for for a while mm-hmm. that that support each other. We have our own police only AA meeting now. Mm-hmm. That uh I'm so grateful to be a part of and to have you there as well, mm-hmm. you know. I oh, mean you're a member of our me, you're a member of our family mm-hmm. and uh, so I reached out uh, to one of the to the guys that's in this this program mm-hmm. and you know I gotta say that that reaching out for the first time to ask for help mm-hmm. is probably the most difficult and scary thing that anybody who's in recovery now or who's actually still in active addiction mm-hmm. is going to have to go through yeah. Right to actually make that phone call to say, "Listen, I need help." Yeah. And not that it's any easier or harder for anybody else, but when you do what I do for a living, to ask for help, we don't ask for help. Mm-hmm. We don't need help. Yeah. Right. We solve problems. We don't have problems.
0: Yeah. And and it would be like naive to assume that different jobs don't have different difficulties. Right? Absolutely. Like, of course. Yeah.
1: You know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, we're certainly not, well, I guess we are a culture onto ourselves. But like you said, that's not to say that doctors or pilots mm-hmm. or, you know, any first responders yeah. have their own cultural pressures that prevent them from coming forward and asking for help. Of course. You know, and, but it just got to the point of where not asking for help was more painful and scary mm-hmm. than reaching out and asking for someone's help. And uh, it's actually really, I love this story because it, it cracks me up every time I hear it and every time I say it. Um, I, I sent an email to one of the guys that's in this recovery group and I said, listen, I see that you have your name on this cops AA poster mm-hmm. and uh I'm in a bit of a bad way. What can you can you help me out? Yeah. And uh, he said, Yeah, absolutely. He said, let's meet for a coffee right away. Mm-hmm. So we met for a coffee and uh it was it was great, you know. I mean there was no judgment. Mm-hmm. There was no feeling of being persecuted or looked down on. Um he was, as they say, one alcoholic talking to another, and the power of that, in 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 the healing process, that like that first step, mm-hmm. right? So we met at uh, Tim Hortons, and uh, I love this story. <laughs> I love this story too because it cracks me up because it paints this picture for people that yeah. don't know, right? And that.
0: Hey, we're humans too, right? Well, it's one of those stories where it's not even my story, but it's like implanted in my brain as though it's my memory, right? right? Because it's such a cool thing. So I guess I should just shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you tell the story. Well, yeah. Okay. So
1: as the story goes, um, we met at a Tim Hortons. And uh, it was the middle of the afternoon on a weekday. It was about 2 o'clock. We were both in uniform. And I was still in traffic at the time. And so if you don't know, the the, the uniform that I, I wore consisted of um, what they call boots and breeks in traffic. So like knee-high leather black boots, they're called Strathcona's. And then breeks are like motorcycle pants, right? Because yeah. we ride motorcycles.
0: I like how they differentiate your boots from hooker boots.
1: Right? I don't know if there is much of a
0: difference. Because they're knee high. And I, it's the heel size. Yeah, the, maybe it's the heel. It's the heel size. Yeah, totally. Right? Not, that, not that you look like a hooker and you, you didn't. You look, it looked great, but. Well, I got
1: good legs yeah. for hooker boots. Yeah, they're, I, they're kind of
0: like perfect for. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, so anyway, here I come marching into Tim Hortons with the boots and breeks and, you know, again, I won't use his name. He, If he hears this, he'll know who he is and yeah. I'm sure it'll bring a smile to his face. And he walks in and he's got his gold on his shoulders because he was in a, a certain position that, you know, two big, tough, manly cops sitting down to Tim Hortons, you know, and it was packed. Mm-hmm. That place was packed. Mm-hmm. So we start talking, and um, during the course of our conversation, it just got so emotionally overwhelming mm-hmm. to tell somebody uh, that it was almost like the dam burst.
2: Yeah,
1: right. That that flood of emotion couldn't be contained anymore, mm-hmm. and I just started to cry. Yeah, in Tim Hortons at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, in front of everybody. In my uniform. <laughs> And I'm, and I, I don't mean like a little sob, I mean crying, like I was crying and it touched him so much that he started crying, Mm -hmm. right? So here's these two guys in uniform in Tim Hortons, both crying their eyes out just because of that connection, that bond, that, Mm -hmm. uh that release of that pain and that shame. It just felt so good to tell somebody. And he related to my story so much that it overwhelmed him. And we're both crying. And so I, it was right at the end of our our coffee. So I stood up and uh, I thanked him and I went to put my hand out to shake his hand. And I mean, I haven't, Typically been a real touchy, close person. You know, I'm not really into the whole come into my personal space thing. But
0: <laughs> Unless you want to cuddle with my fist. Exactly, right? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and they don't cuddle very well. Yeah, totally. So I went to shake his hand and he goes, oh no, no, he goes, come here, bring it in. And uh, so he gives me this hug. So here's two cops in full uniform crying their eyes out and hugging in Tim Horton's in the middle of the afternoon in a packed restaurant Mm -hmm. with people looking at us thinking, oh, those poor gay policemen are breaking up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or they're getting married. Or they're getting (laughs) married. One of the two, right? (laughs) So I'm thinking, people are
1: looking at us and they're like, oh, my God, what is going on here? Yeah. You know, and that's the first thing that I thought of. These poor gay policemen, they're breaking up. They're having a, a domestic or something like that. Anyway, it, it was hilarious. <laughs> and I, that was, you know, it's one of my favorite stories about sobriety and, and getting into recovery. You can take something that's so scary and actually mm-hmm. turn it around into something that, yeah, a, a memory that sticks with you that yeah. you go back to. Anyway, yeah. So it wasn't very long until I was off to recovery um, out to BC. Stayed there for, I don't even know what it was. It's like a 30-day spin dry. Yeah. You know, they send you out there, get your head out of your ass kind of thing, give you a brief introduction to the 12-step program and, you know, kind of rip your guts out a bit while you're there. Yeah. Um, you know, I have never been in any sort of therapy situation group therapy having to share emotions and stuff like that because that's shit we don't do keep your emotions to yourself you don't tell nobody about that unless you're in a tim hortons unless you're in a tim hortons exactly (laughs) um so it it really opened my eyes i had a a lot of uh aha moments out there where i realized just how bad things were Mm Mm-hmm. But I had no idea at the time just how bad they were. They just seemed normal. And, uh, you know, came back and got to work on, the, on my recovery. Uh, I did everything that, that I was told to do. Um, I was subject to random testing for two years. Uh, a monthly meeting with our addiction specialist. And, you know, it was one of the first times in my life that I actually didn't half-ass something, Yeah. you know, where I didn't stick with it for a month and say, fuck it, and give up on
0: it. Yeah, which is funny because we actually named the row where we sit together regularly. Half-measures row. row, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is ironic. <laughs> totally, right? man, considering you dove in. Yeah, yeah.
1: and uh, so, you know, I I feel... Really, really fortunate and blessed um, to have the people in my life now that I do. And, you know, like I said, you were one of the first people that I met at one of the first meetings I went to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it just, you changed my, my life. I, I don't know if I'd be where I am. If it wasn't for your help and your, your constant friendship and, you know, I don't know, it, it, it's just so huge, right? It's overpowering and I don't think that thank you is enough to say, you know, you, you changed my life. So I, I do, I really appreciate you in my life, dude. And, uh, you know. I wouldn't have said that before to anybody. Yeah. And you know, again, one of the, the gifts of this this program is the ability to show gratitude for people that yeah. make a contribution in your life and and have a, an impact.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate that, man. I don't know if I'm worthy of that, but I really appreciate it. Um, and this is where I would insert a joke normally. Yeah. Just because we're both like men, men, and we're yeah, like, deflect Whoa. with humor. Yeah, deflect with humor. Right. Come over here and punch me in the nuts. Yeah. But I, dude, I appreciate it. And you know what, man, I feel the same my my life is richer and fuller because you're in it like i mean it and um so if i could give back to you in any even a small sense of you what you've given me then then for that i'm grateful oh wow thanks dude that.
1: yeah yeah it's it's been a wild ride you know it's been um it's it's been a a, a real journey so far and uh you know i don't know what the future is going to hold mm-hmm. um but you know I know that I'm sober today, and that's all I can ask for. And, yeah. you know, I I have a a new relationship with my family. Um, you know, I have a, a, a new relationship with my kids in sobriety.
0: Now, so, like, what's that like, man? Like, what happened there? What do you mean you have a new relationship? What does that mean? Uh, well before i got sober i was
1: there physically mm-hmm. but that was it yeah right i wasn't invested uh, i wasn't engaged i wasn't really putting the the effort in mm-hmm. to be in a dad or a husband or, mm-hmm. or or a friend or a brother or anything right i was so selfish and self-centered mm-hmm. that the only thing that mattered was me yeah right so i would do stuff with the kids And, you know, I mean, I went through the roles and the motions of, you know, being a soccer coach and, you know, trying to do what I thought was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, but not being engaged and not being really part of it. And, uh, you know, since I've been sober and, you know, again, it's, it's a constant improvement. It's one day at a time, like they say. That uh, you know now i i I may not be there physically all the time, but when I am there, mm-hmm. I'm engaged and I'm invested and i'm I'm truly a part of their lives, yeah, right? where i I don't want to think about the what could have beens and what should have yeah. been you know, you can't unring a lot of those bells. Yeah. Once they're done, they're done. Yeah. Right. But what we can do is we can start over Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just like in the meditation practice that we do, if we lose our, our, our way, if our mind goes, Mm -hmm. we start over. And that's what I've done with, with the kids. And I sometimes have to do that on a daily basis is start over, right. To be a role model. Yeah to be a positive influence in their lives, Mm -hmm. to be the kind of father that I never had, Mm -hmm. right? So I can turn them into productive, functioning gentlemen who respect people and have a general respect for Mm -hmm. the planet and the environment and other human beings and are polite and show kindness to people you know, yeah. and in any situation to not judge. Um, so that that's, you know, when I say I got a, a new relationship with my family, that's, that's kind of yeah. what I mean is that, you know, I can't go back and undo the shitty things that I've yeah. done. But, and, and you know, like we say, if I can't make it any better, at least I can't, I, I can try not to fuck it up any more than yeah. it already is. Yeah. Right? But if I can, make things better. Yeah. You know, leave it a better place than when I when I found it. That's cool. And that's, you know, I was certainly on the road to burning the planet down. Uh, you know, I know that you can relate to when you're in active addiction, the shitty things that you do and how devastating the effects can be. Right? I mean, thank God god i'm so lucky that i didn't have some of these situations that people talk about mm-hmm. you know i don't know why
0: yeah i do
1: i don't know but for some reason i didn't have to go through a lot of the really devastating traumatic events mm-hmm. in order to find sobriety and recovery yeah you know and for that i'm grateful
2: yeah man.
1: i'm really grateful so like i say if i if i can make it better i will And if I can't make it better, I just won't make it any worse.
0: Yeah. Are you still living in that shitty apartment?
1: No, no. Where are you living? I'm back at home. Yeah, dude. I'm back at home. Um, Yeah, it's, again, you know, I don't know how why things happen, but Mm -hmm. everything happens the way that they should. And, you know, my wife and I are on the road to recovery as well. Um, You know, it's not perfect and I still have my flaws and she still has her doubts Mm-hmm. Uh, and rightly so, because I did a lot of things to, to violate her trust, Yeah, you know, and I have a long way to, to go to make up for that. And, but we're a family again and, you know, we're, we're doing the best that we can. Mm. And that's all, you know, I, I guess that's really all you can hope for. Yeah. Right. You do the best you can. Yeah. And who knows, um, You know, I try not to think or forecast too much into the future about what's going to happen or, you know, because really all we have is right now. all we 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 All all we have is the present moment. That's it. Right? So to try and figure out what's going on next year, next 10 years, who knows? I might not even be here. Right? So you got to enjoy what you have right now. You You have to be grateful for what you have right now. And like I said, you know, just be kind when you have a when you have an opportunity. Just show people kindness. Yeah. Right. Show people compassion. And
0: sometimes it's easier than others,
1: but when you can't do it, you can all start
0: over. Yeah. So totally, man. Yeah. Cool. I got a pleasure meeting your family the other day. Yeah. And the way those boys look at you, man, is like, I can't believe I hadn't met them before now. Yeah. Right? Because I, wa- I kind of wanted to, like, when when that, when you knock the one out of the back of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sober when I did and that. And you were sober, yeah. No, we're, the store I don't want to say it like that because that's not what happened. <laughs> Obviously, that's not how it happened. So anyone listening, no, that's not what happened. I didn't run my kid over No, they were delivering flyers. And just as a reminder to all the children everywhere, and even adults, because there's some of us that are that dumb, do not stand up in the back of trucks when this they're
1: This is true. This is true. Ask right. my son. Yeah. He'll be the first to tell you. But of course, you know, hey, I want to be the cool dad. Why don't you ride in the back, buddy? Yeah. Okay, here we go. And off he goes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but he was okay. He was like, okay. He was, all, yeah. he was fine. But don't... Don't ride yeah. in the back of trucks, kids. It's I,
0: not safe. I made it sound really terrible, so I apologize <laughs> for that. Man, I came out and I'm like, oh my god, like people are going to think John throws his kids out of the back of his movie. Yeah, track. no, no, I know it wasn't intentional. It
1: was, it was purely. <laughs>
0: of course, it wasn't.
1: Uh, yeah. A bad situation that, yeah. and hey, you know what? He made out like a bandit because uh, you and I went for coffee down at Lazy Loaf, and I bought him this cookie that was the size of oh, a man. That's cover. That's great.
0: You got him. Did you get him the cream one? No, I got him the, the big daddy dip oh, cookie. The, the it's dip about, about as big as a manhole cover. Yeah, this thing. So as right. he
1: was recovering on the couch the next day.
0: That's right, because <laughs> I got the I got the the cookie with the cream in the middle. Yeah, because that's my that's my shit right there. Yeah, so. things yeah. and that one's as big as a dinner plate too. Totally, that's my jam. Crazy, and it was big and thick too. So big and thick. Wait, that takes me back to my drinking days, actually. Of big and thick. <laughs> totally. <laughs> You might have to sit in this chair to tell that story. <laughs> probably one day somebody'll get me. It'll probably be that like cute chick over there looking at us. Yeah. She'll be the one who talks me into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, I am I, I
1: am at home. Um we my wife and I have uh come together and agreed that, you know what, we're we owe it to the family. I owe it to the family mm. to try and be a better person to try and be a better husband to try and be a better father and to to not undo the mistakes of the past
2: mm-hmm.
1: but to make my amends for them right mm-hmm. and to do better in the future so yeah that's again uh, you know that's the gift of this program that's the promise is coming true mm-hmm. of your life becoming normal and whole whatever normal is. I yeah. don't know what normal is for whoever it is. It's out there, whatever your normal is. Yeah. But you know, for me, this is that escape from that constant need for chaos mm-hmm. and dysfunction and excitement in my life. Um, <sighs> you know, like my sponsor says, boring is good. Mm-hmm. Pray for boredom.
0: I like your sponsor. Yeah. yeah.
1: Pray for boredom. And, it's true. You know, I, I actually enjoy the quiet, the boredom, that mm-hmm. non-activity. You know, it's it's nice. Whereas yeah. before, it was just constant upset. Yeah. You know, if things were quiet, that ain't good. I have to wreck stuff. I have to flip furniture and throw monkey wrenches into the machine mm-hmm. because things are running too smoothly and I can't have smooth I need chaos. Yeah, smooth was boring back
2: then, right? Oh, dude. Yeah. Terribly boring.
1: Right? But that was that whole need for excitement. Yeah. And and excitement, I don't mean exciting as in, we, we're going to Disneyland. I mean exciting as in, burn this bitch to the ground exciting.
0: (laughs) We mean exciting like, oh yeah, we just started a fire. Yeah. Yeah, in your house. Yeah.
1: And not just (laughs) a fire, like a forest fire. Totally. We are going to burn it to the ground. Totally. And stand back and laugh and yeah. rub my hands together yeah. looking evil.
0: Because I'll tell you, one thing about alcoholics and addicts, for the most part, of course, there's never a generalization that works 100% of the time. But we don't like, we like exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we don't even really know that it's exciting until normies or earthlings, someone called them earthlings. Earthlings, the that's day. right, earthlings. And, and I thought that was delightful, right? Um, but they might not quite understand how... We just live there. Like we don't, yeah. we don't say like, okay, I'm going bungee jumping today or I'm going to drink half a bottle of scotch and then I'm going to walk down the train tracks <laughs> naked. Right. And then dodge trains. Like yeah. we don't, we don't say it cause we just do it. Yeah. Right. And like, it seems like the right thing at the time. Because it's a hundred percent the right thing at the of time. Of course.
1: Right. And when we look at <laughs> people going, well, what, you're not. Yeah. You're not doing it. Welcome. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Like, look how much fun I'm having. Yeah. Until the next day when you go, God, what did I do? Totally. Right? And I know that alcoholics and normal people alike have had that moment of clarity, I guess, when you wake up the next morning going, oh, shit. Oh. I don't remember anything. Yeah. Where am I? Yeah. You know? But, hey, I don't have to ever have another drink, and I don't ever have to be in that situation of waking up going, what the hell did I do last night? You know, the we're, the mystery
0: bear yeah, <laughs> never dude. came by and what? shit in my mouth. <laughs> and why does my butt hurt? <laughs> right? The mystery bear. I don't wake up I'm with a two pain. ways. Yeah. yeah.
1: So <laughs> no, you know what? It's been a beautiful ride, dude. It really yeah. has so far, and uh, yeah, you know, I think it's only going to get better.
0: So right. how are we doing on time? Are we? Yeah, we're good. Oh, we're, we're good. We're moving into an hour here. Nice, man. Wow. Nice. I'd told totally be good, man. I don't even know
1: what to talk about anymore. Yeah? I kind of feel like I've dominated the whole
0: hour. You're spent? It's like, oh, I'm spent. And <sighs> scene. <laughs> what was that from? I don't even know. I can't remember. What was that from? Does anybody know? No? Um, and scene. Uh, some comedy. I can't remember. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, it doesn't make any yeah. sense because... Everyone else can believe. Oh, I know what that was. You dumb shits. <laughs> you, <gotta laughs> like know, you totally somebody, expect that. Eh? Somebody out there is saying yeah. that. And the, and of course now someone's wondering why we just haven't googled it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're, right. we're lazy. Yeah. That's well, cool. we are. Yeah. We
1: are. We are lazy.
0: Well, dude, like I, I'm gonna probably thank you a couple more times before we're done. Like, but I don't. I mean, this, this has been incredible, and I, I, I do have questions, right? Like, and yeah. And they're not questions that I don't know, but they're questions that other people obviously wouldn't know about you. Like the other night, you and I were able, we got together and went on a, what we call a 12-step call, right? And what that is, is we go to someone who's drinking and they want to quit drinking and they want some support from other alcoholics. So John and I went there and it, it was as far as I'm concerned, the 12 step calls are always about all of the people involved. It's not just the person who's drinking, right? Like it helps, it helps John and I stay sober. Like it helps us put like, it reminds us of the, Oh my God, the absolute shit of being in that spot, right? Of being in the bottom again. Uh, At least it did from, does for me, right? I don't, I won't speak for you. Yeah. I left there, man, after I dropped you off and, it just, like, started to occur to me, like, I wonder how it feels for you when you go to a place like that in plain clothes as a human and mm. not in, in a uniform. Mm. Like, I wondered about it because I know that, like, and, and so I, I'm, a, I'm a chaplain and I work with the police. I, uh, I volunteer with them as well. And, and so I understand a little bit, not the whole thing, of course not, um, because nobody really tries to punch me. Most times, right? <laughs> Unless it's one of the officers that, that knows me. They have to know me to really not like me. Um, but I just, I wondered about it because people, like you said it when you were talking about people just, sometimes they just hate you for no reason,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like how does it feel when you go in there and that guy loved you, right? Like if, yeah, for that night, like. Well, and you know,
1: it's, it's different because it, it, It allows you to be a human. It Mm. allows you to interact with people on a different level, on a basic level, as opposed to that authoritative, um, you know, I'm I'm only here for one reason. I don't want to hear your bullshit. I don't want to hear your life story. I got other places to be and other things to do. And you're the umpteenth person I've dealt with today. So my patience level is just about zero. And mm-hmm. if you don't want to go, I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter to me. I'm only here because I'm being paid to be here. Yeah. Right. That was prior to, to sobriety. and You know, now, I, I, I don't know how I would deal with that. Um, I, I think that I would probably deal with it the exact same way that I did in Plain Clothes. Mm-hmm. Right. To try and relate to this guy as a human being. Yeah. As opposed to, I'm the cop and you're the citizen. Yeah. Right. Um. But there's always that intimidation factor. Yeah. Right. That
0: even if you're not trying, right? even if
1: you're not trying. Yeah. Right. That that uniform there scares people. Mm-hmm. Right. And the presence scares people. So to be able to go there, and I mean, dude, I cannot tell you how many times. I went into people's homes on the job in those exact circumstances. Mm. And didn't relate. Right? I yeah. had my role. I I was playing the role. I had my my responsibility as, as what I did for a living. And I don't care about
2: you. Yeah.
1: Right? It doesn't matter to me what happens to you. Mm. Um and again, you know what? That's that. That was me at the time, because I was sick. No, yeah. right. Uh, now, when we went on that twelve-step call, to have a, a a genuine concern for somebody that you just met, mm-hmm. that you have no idea who he is, you may never ever see him again, but to have a genuine concern, uh, a level of compassion for somebody. To say, you know what, I care about you. Mm-hmm. I care about what happens to you, yeah, man. right? And it hurts me to see you like this, because exactly like you said, it helps keep us sober, mm-hmm. right? To see that poor, poor guy in his state that he was in mm-hmm. is like that cosmic, karmic, cognitive recalibration mm-hmm. for us, for me, for me too, me right? Too. Yeah. It's like that swift kick to the head that says, hey, mm-hmm. you could be there very, very easily. Yeah. So tread lightly yeah. and treat this person with respect and kindness because it wasn't that long ago that you were there. Yeah. So, you know, you owe it to this guy. You owe it, a level of, of care to this guy.
0: I just gave me goosebumps, man.
1: You know? Yeah. Well, and that's what it is, right? Yeah. As Not as whatever, cop or whatever, but just as one human being. I owe that duty of care to this person, Mm -hmm. you know, because he's hurting, he's sick. Yeah. And, you know, that was, it was a a real honor for me to be able to go there and do that. You know, it it felt, it felt really, really good to be that hand, as they say. Mm -hmm. You know, when someone reaches out to be that hand, it reaches back. Yeah. And to try and give this, this fella, uh, you know, a hand up. Without any judgment, without any criticism, mm-hmm. but just to say, you know, and like I told them that, that night, whatever you are, I am that too, mm-hmm. right? Whatever you are, I, yeah. I'm that too, right? We're no different. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a really great feeling and, but it, it's interesting how that, that conditioning stays with you. Yeah. You know, when we were walking down the stairs into the backyard, it almost felt like, yeah. something I would have done on the job, yeah. right? So you kind of, you switch that role, you, you switch that mode, you know, you mm-hmm. turn on that switch and all of a sudden you're not human anymore. You're acting out your responsibility, yeah. right? You're just another uniform. Yeah. So, but again, you know, it's really nice that, fortunately I don't work in a uniform capacity anymore, so I don't have that opportunity to, to do that. Um, but I have, since I've been in recovery, had the opportunity to, to reach out to people like that, Mm -hmm. but through a different, a different lens, right. To see people through a different set of eyes and to realize that this is just a human being who's in a bad way. Yeah. Right. This is somebody's father or Mm -hmm. mother or son or daughter or sister or, you know, this was someone's somebody, right? This person that I'm dealing with was somebody's someone,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? This is uh, uh, whoever it was. They were loved, yeah, and they probably still are loved. Yep, you know, but they're just in a real bad, shitty spot right now. Yeah. So it'd be nice if, if we had that ability to, to view others through that lens.
0: Hmm. I think right. that's what recovery gives us, though, right? It does. If we stick it out and we do the work, and I think it does give us the ability to switch lenses, so that we can, right? Because that's what happened the other night. That's what happened for all of us. Yeah. Like for all of us, it was we were seeing the situation through each other's eyes, mm-hmm. right? Because even that guy knew that we knew. Yeah. Like he, knew, there was no doubt about it. Like he, he basically melted. Yeah. With us, right? yeah. Because he knew and we knew that this is all of us. We're all there at some point, at that at point of jumping off, yeah. right? And uh, like you, that being the hand that that reaches back, that's our job. Absolutely. Right? And I don't mean like paid job. I mean, that's our job as humans, I yep. think, right? Um, and so I, I know we're running over an hour. I don't want to cut it short because I could talk to you all night, man, because mm, there's yeah. so, many, so much cool shit that you do. And that's happened um, for you, like coming I mean, both ends, right? Both sides of that yeah. that bottom. And I just, uh, yeah, so I could talk to you all night, right?
1: Yeah, and this is great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really great. And the funny thing is we we're both worried like, we're shit. We're not going to have but, enough yeah. to talk about. What are we going to talk about? And of course, like we got so much. We 45 could talk about, minutes
1: of dead silence.
0: Yeah, or Simpsons references. And us farting. Oh my God, did you hear my stomach growling, man? No, it didn't come through. That's good. Because I was like, oh, I think pretty sure we could hear that. <laughs> um, so I, I don't want to cut you short, man, but I, I don't no, want to keep you all night. Um, I, I can't begin to express my thanks, dude, for you coming and oh, being hey. the first guest here, man. It means the world to me. And like, it just... Dude, it was is, an honor for me to be uh, here well, as the
1: first guest. That's...
0: It's pretty cool, man. It's yeah, it's cool.
1: it's really cool. And I'm... I'm yeah. Really grateful that I got the opportunity to come down and just basically sit and bullshit with you. Right on, a hour. man.
0: Yeah, because I mean, seriously, now we got an excuse we could just do this every once in a while. We get like an hour of bullshit time. Absolutely. <laughs> you just tell Mona. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, doing podcast, totally doing a podcast, going down to the church. Um, I uh, before I close, before we get into the closing here, I just want to say, man, uh. You have like and I mean when I say you've changed my life, I don't wanna just leave it like generic, right? So I wanna be specific. I mean not that I could cover every single way that you've altered my existence since coming into my life, but I gotta tell you a couple of things. So guys night out a little while ago back in March, mm. um, four of us men, I mean like brave men of course too, the four of us. Brave, strong men. Um, we all got together, we had a nice supper and then we went and saw, who did we see? Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle. Like seriously, this was our guys' night out. And I couldn't have had a better time, man. Yeah. Like seriously. Yeah, guys' night out has changed. Yeah, it sure, certainly has, eh? Yeah. And, and we were uh, home early. <laughs> dude, we were home before like 10 or something like that, right? Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. But so good because the time we get to spend now as men. and so I, And I also wanted to go back and just talk a little bit about the story of you and the other officer in the Tim Hortons, right, is that now I'm quick to make jokes too and, and laugh because when men get emotional with each other, we tend to do that. We yeah. cry because deflect we don't know what humor. else to do. And then we deflect with humor. Um, what I see there and why that story is so powerful for me is not because I think of it as as a joke, right? What I think of it is um, men coming together to help each other, mm. which we need to do. Absolutely. Right? Like, I understand that, that um, uh, and see, I'm getting a little teary-eyed because this kind of stuff is important to me ever since I came into recovery um, because there's stuff that we just don't talk about, yeah. right? And I know you and I have talked about lots of stuff like yeah. that. And, and I appreciate always being able to do that with other men. And the reason is is because um, this is how we're going to teach new men, right? And see, I'm getting teary-eyed because I'm thinking about your sons. And I'm thinking that... The, the best way to teach young men how to be men is to actually do it, yeah. right? And that means when you're in uniform, hugging in a Tim Hortons, right? Yeah. Like it, that that is such a, uh, an image. Like I said, it's like my story now, right? Yeah. Because it's like burnt in my brain. These two men uh, who are are like strong, tough men and they're hugging yeah. and they're crying. And really that is what we need to do. I agree. Right to heal, just like women need to do that with each other, so do men.
1: Yeah, and you know what? And not to minimize the the ability of women to relate on an emotional level. um, Again, my opinion, I I think women have that innate ability to relate to each other on an intimate, um, maybe not intimate, but emotional, um, spiritual level. Mm -hmm. Men typically are not. Are not that way. Yeah. Right? That that role of masculinity that we feel mm-hmm. that we have to abide by. Yeah. Right? The inability to show emotions. Yeah. The inability to be able to cry.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, to have to always portray that outdated model of what it means to be a man. Yeah. You know? um. But like you said, there's only one way to teach our, our kids or our mm-hmm. you know, uh, younger generation to be real men is to model that behavior,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? To model that behavior. Yeah. And <clears throat> for the longest time, I didn't have that ability.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? I didn't have that ability to model that behavior because I didn't know what it was. Because yeah. it wasn't modeled for me. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's nobody's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody did the best they could yeah. with what they had at the time. Yeah. But if I have the ability, and, you know, it's not just my kids. It's anybody I, I can to say, listen, be a gentleman. Yeah. Say please and thank you. Mm-hmm. Hold the door open for people. Be kind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, be kind to animals. Um. Don't be afraid to cry. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to to say you're afraid. Don't be afraid to say you feel vulnerable Mm -hmm. and and you feel ashamed of something. Don't be afraid to talk about this stuff. Because the worst thing we can do is to hold that inside and let it decay Mm -hmm. and decompose inside of us and create that toxic inner self that I had you know that inability to talk and like you said with another man man to man coming together to support each other there's absolutely nothing in my opinion wrong with that No, you know what's wrong is when we don't do it when we don't talk about our emotions when we don't talk about how to treat other human beings appropriately Mm -hmm. When we don't talk about what it means to be kind and forgiving and just to treat people with a basic dignity and respect and compassion. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think there's a lot of guys these days that will call bullshit on that. Yeah. You know, and that's sad. I think that's sad, but that's their path. Yeah. You know, and one of the greatest things for me is to have someone like you in my life mm. where I can say, dude, I need to talk to you yeah. uh, you know and I can say anything I can I have no reservations and I have a mm. lot of male friends in my life now yeah that I'm not afraid to sit down and talk with mm-hmm. about emotional troubling things that are going on in my life yeah. you know to say listen, I'm afraid I'm scared I I feel vulnerable, I'm, I feel weak, mm-hmm. I I'm, I don't know what to do. The last thing a guy wants to say is, I don't know how to solve this.
2: Oh, man, yeah. I, mean, I don't know how to
1: fix this. Yeah. Because what are we preconditioned to do? Solve problems, be yeah. the man, fix it. You know? Yeah. It's not always that easy.
2: Uh, it's not rude. black and white. Yeah.
1: You know? And again, that that filter, that new lens to look through, Mm -hmm. gives you that ability and you know it's funny that you talk about that because one of the memories that I have about going to treatment and I'm I'm always grateful to remember this I never cried cried Mm. right I was always afraid to be judged as weak don't show emotion Mm -hmm. you know but when I was in treatment I was really broken, right? I was broken mm-hmm. emotionally, spiritually. I was morally bankrupt. Um, I had no direction in my life. I was just in a place at a time, and I was at my lowest. Yeah. And one of the counselors there, if he hears it, um. I went to Cedars in BC, okay. which is, a. Uh, I, I don't know I, if I can give that.
0: Yeah, I can't mm-hmm. see why you can't say the name of the place. Yeah, yeah.
1: like uh, yeah. I guess it's, uh, I don't know, i do not not promoting it or not demo, whatever. Anyway.
0: Yeah, maybe Mike, they'll give us some cash, man, if we promote it. Right on. Yeah. Cedars. Cedars. Send, it's send a great place. Send all your
1: peoples to Cedars. It is a great place. It really <laughs> is. Squared mm-hmm. my shit away. Anyway.
0: Um, <laughs> That's good.
1: The counselor there. Uh, who worked with uh, mostly police, pilots, um, doctors, mm-hmm. all men. We we didn't have females in our group. And it wasn't because they were exclusionary. Yeah. It was just that we were the toughest group to get mm-hmm. through, right? So he was one of the counselors that could break through some of these walls. Anyway, his name was Steve. And... Uh, I remember one day sitting in his office and we were having a conversation and it was a it was a particularly emotional conversation and he stood up and he gave me a hug and I don't know what it was if it was just that at that moment to to be in the company of another man who understood Mm -hmm. who got where I was coming from and who could feel genuinely feel the pain that I was in excuse me gave me a hug and I started to cry and it was the first time that I've ever really cried uncontrollably Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to stop it was almost like it just wouldn't stop coming. Yeah. Right. So the first time I ever really cried, cried was in the arms of another man. Yeah. Right. I mean, nice. here I am again talking about hugging dudes and crying. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Like, we may have to edit some of this stuff. But, you know, and when I was crying in Tim Hortons, it was, it was a good one, but nothing compared to what happened with yeah. Steve. Yeah. Right. It was like he actually got it. And, mm. But it was powerful. It was powerful. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't uh, something to, that I need to be ashamed of or afraid of. It was just one guy coming alongside another guy and being there to support them in a time of need. Yeah, and I think the world needs more guys like that mm-hmm. okay. who are willing to stand up and say, "Hey, I got your back. Yeah. I got you, and truly mean it." Yeah, not just a punch in the shoulder, you know, slap on the back. Yeah, carry on, but to truly say, I am here for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I support you, and whatever you need, I'm going to be there to help you. Yeah. to come alongside. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's great to 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 think about the ability that you and I have to change that. Yeah, I mean, behavior in some people
0: yeah even just in our little universe right? yeah yeah and yeah it's every, fantastic I know every time we turn around we're in a new place where maybe we can just be the people that we want to be yeah that we would like it's funny because you know lots of times we wish for I wish there was more good people in the world or whatever people say right and yeah I don't say that because I a few years ago it was given to me as a task so it wasn't like I came up with it because I was so smart because someone gave it to me at a task and said, "Well, if you're so busy complaining, right, and you're so busy looking for good people, yeah. why don't you try being one?" Yeah, and I was like blown away by that shit, right? Because that it's like life-altering stuff. Yeah, right? when someone holds you accountable for the fact that you don't get to just complain and piss and moan and do nothing about it. Exactly. Right. You have to get off your ass. And you've got to try to do something. If you want to see something in the world, well, then do it. Yeah. Do the change. Be the change. I mean, and Gandhi, right? I mean, that's Gandhi's quote. And God bless that dude, man. I watched a documentary on him. Yeah. Whoo. What a crazy man. Yeah, he's a rad dude. Dude, like seriously. But
1: be the change you want to see. Be the change. Yeah. It's easy to sit on the sidelines and piss and moan. Totally, man. You really want to contribute. Yeah. Get out there and do something. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't even have to be life-changing and earth-shattering. stuff, yeah. You know what? Just smile at somebody. Yeah. Hold the door open for someone. You know, you yeah. don't have to go through your whole life hating everything.
0: Mm-hmm. What an exhausting way to live. Oh, dude. And Has that's it, how I lived. Yeah, man, me right? too. Just exhausted. It is. Has anyone in here ever gotten a smile from a stranger? How's that feel? Feels great, Yeah. Right? Yeah. Getting a smile from a stranger, smiling at a stranger, like just, you know, that that connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: to do it without expecting anything in return. Dude, just smiling, yeah. Just to do it. <laughs> totally, man. You know, or if you see something, compliment yeah. somebody. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You look really good today. Yep. Just
0: something simple. I can attest, though. I did yeah. that yesterday and girls thought I was picking them up. Every, every time I said some compliment or even the dudes were like, the dudes were like, whoa, because I said it's a both. Like I, I was trying to point out something nice when they, because so at the Starbucks there where you and I have met before yeah. on that corner table, yep. it's like right there at the hub, right? So yeah. you've got all these people crossing the road. So every time they stop, I would try to find one thing nice about them and then tell them. Oh, my Lord in heaven, man. Some people are like not cool with that. No. Yeah, dude. This one girl looked at me like I was like had three heads and I was about to like rob her. Yeah. And, I, and then <laughs> d- my dad said something. He goes, well, I think she thought you were trying to pick her up. And I'm like, I think you're right. What are you going to do, man? I'm not going to stop smiling at people. And you know what's funny about not that anymore. is
1: what does that say about our state of society? Yeah. When you can genuinely give somebody a compliment And they look at you like they Mm -hmm. want to punch you in the face.
0: Totally, dude. Yeah. Like, what kind of a
1: society is that? Yeah. Where you can genuinely
0: give someone a compliment
1: and have them look at you like you're from outer space.
0: Like you broke the law or something. Yeah. Like you invaded their space. How dare you give me a compliment. (laughs) How dare you talk to me, man. Yeah. You can text me only. (laughs) Right? I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Me neither. Hey,
1: if we do it pure of heart, yeah. without any expectation of anything in return. Totally. It doesn't matter what they think. You know Not what? at all. Whatever.
0: I it's, just, you know what? Like maybe it'll make a dent later on in their day. Who knows, right? Like, and and that's okay if it doesn't because you know what? It makes us accountable. Yeah. Again, because that's what it's about, right? Absolutely. If I want to see more people smiling, well, I can't expect that while I'm walking around with a scowl. Exactly. And you know what? I used to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I, Misery yeah. loves company. Totally.
1: Right. And if I got to be unhappy, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to make every single person around me aware of it, Mm -hmm. and they're going to join me in my misery. That's right. I'm going to spread around my backpack of bullshit and misery. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to go home, (laughs) you feeling pretty good because I messed your day up. Yeah. Because I felt like shit. Everybody's going to feel like shit.
0: I know. And the weird thing is, is, as time goes by in sobriety, even thinking that way makes me a bit queasy. Hey, like... Because I don't Uh, like that anymore. I don't want people to feel that way because of me. And I'm like hyper, maybe hypersensitive to it. But man, I'm like hyper aware of it too, where I'm like, oh man, like I think I made those people uneasy. I should probably stop doing that. (laughs) Right? Right? Like I should probably just like check myself Uh, a little bit. That's that little attic brain in
1: there. Yeah, man. If, if if it can plant those seeds of doubt somewhere, it's going to do it. Yeah. Right? Even in something as pure and, and totally selfless mm-hmm. as giving a stranger a compliment. Totally, man. And it wasn't received. Oh, shit. What did I do? I better. Yeah. Maybe I should apologize to that person. You know, maybe I should mm-hmm. manipulate this situation for the outcome that I want. Yeah. As
0: opposed to just saying, oh, well. Whatever, totally. Take it's not—it's it's not their already. job to take it. It's my job to give it. Exactly. Right. So take it for what it's worth. This breaks my heart, man. But I got to stop us. We got to stop. Like, I, and I don't want to. So, <laughs> like, we could literally be here all night because I, I, just, John, you're so interesting, man. Um. Anyways, okay, I'm gonna stop asking okay, questions. Okay, done. Yeah. So. We would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representatives of Freedoms Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation, including the Calgary Police Service. John is speaking as John. That's correct. And it's just John's opinion, right? So um, please try to remember that. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Here is where I get a little choked up. I've been choked up for a long time, so this is not accurate. So I've had tears basically on the verge for about a half an hour, if not longer. Okay. I'm thinking about all the people and the organizations I would like to thank for not only supporting the podcast, but for supporting our organization, Freedom's Path Recovery Society, from the start-up till today. I would like to say a huge thank you to Wild Rose United Church for their open-hearted giving to the community at large in the Crescent Heights area uh, and Calgary as well, the recovery community and any person who finds themselves hurting and in need of support and or guidance. Wild Rose has been there. They have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do and their incredible servant hearts. A special thank you to our new friend, Darcy Robinson, uh, for not only running this podcast, uh, but for sharing his expertise, time, passion for this medium, and all the equipment that you are graciously providing, right? Thank you, Darcy. You're here. Right on, man. Um, and just so everyone knows, he is doing this as a volunteer, okay? And I got to tell you, Man, like, that fills my heart, because I just, there's something about that. I just, I love it. So thank you, man. Like, um, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't take a second. I, I obviously owe these people way more than a second. Uh, the truth is, there's no way I'm here without each of them, okay? And this is to our board of directors. Trent Baker, Todd Deere, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morijot, my beautiful partner, who is always supportive, Wayne Lurie, and, of course... John James. Um, I didn't mention that earlier, but he's also a member of the board. So um, obviously that rad dude comment was because he's a board member. Uh, (laughs) And a special thank you to my friend, Trent Baker, for your and your group's continued support both financially and spiritually to me along the way. Thank you for believing. For there were times when your belief and courage allowed me to regain my own uh, and meet with whatever challenges came our way. Thank you, my friend. To all the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to help Freedom's Path become an agency and maintain our mission, which is to work directly with addiction, process, chemical, stigma, identity, and and the effects on family and loved ones of addiction, mental illness, including treatment options, family support, medical opinions, and the stigma surrounding having a mental illness, codependency, and the multitude of difficulties human beings have Bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. Thank you to everyone who supports Freedom's Path for that purpose. Last but not least, and it's not quite last, almost last, but it's last but not least, my thanks to you, John, um, Mm. for all that you do in the community, man, uh, and there's stories that I know that, John, you've done and that you continue to do for people um, as a part of your recovery but also in your... um, your role as a police officer. Oh, thanks, man. Um, you're welcome. I, I've seen it personally, witnessed uh, just the the leadership and integrity that you have that people look up to. So thank you for coming here tonight.
1: Mark. Oh, dude, it was my yeah. pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. This is fantastic.
0: Cool. Uh, and uh, where was I here? Sorry. See, I'm getting all like, confused because I just all love, love, love. So keep in mind, if you're close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up another day. For today we can stay and we can try, just for today. Some days I imagine that your voice out there might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. Ask yourself, what is it you would like to say to them, if you could help them? If you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or Facebook at Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Now, if you contact us, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to put you on. Uh, however, if your story is interesting enough or you're weird enough, chances are I will want you on the show. Um, so keep that in mind. So if you send stuff in, be weird. Uh, and that's it, you guys. Like, Thank you so much, uh, Heather, for being here. Um, and I am David Lurie. Thank you for listening.